0: From the newsroom of The Washington Post.
1: Hello, hey, Here's the from The Washington Post. Hi,
2: this is Beth Reinhardt of The Washington
0: Post. It's Lori Aritani over at The Post. I'm... This is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Thursday, February 18th. Today, the rise and fall of a mass vaccination clinic in Philadelphia. And why men need more friends. During a five-day period last month in Philadelphia, nearly 7,000 people received a first dose of the coronavirus vaccine at a mass vaccination site. Herb Reed was one of them.
1: You know, it was a pretty seamless process. You know, I signed up and then after I got my first shot, I I was telling the world, like, "Here's, here's where you go.
0: It all looked like a model of 21st century efficiency, and it was run by this group, Philly Fighting COVID, that had been doing testing and making PPE. But then suddenly, the vaccination site was shut down by the city's health department. Officials said that they had
3: lost trust in the group. I first learned about Philly fighting COVID last summer, when the Philadelphia Health Department was making really innovative partnerships with local groups to try to help with testing. And Philly fighting COVID was one of these groups that came together. I'm Francis Steed Sellers, and I'm a national reporter who's covering health and science at The Washington Post, particularly focusing on the coronavirus. Philly Fighting COVID was started by a local graduate student at Drexel University in Philadelphia who got together with a group of friends at the beginning of the pandemic to start working on making 3D masks, using 3D printing to make masks, and then evolved into testing. They had tested something like 15,000 people in the city. They were really helping the city with putting out tests. want to talk more about
0: this guy at the center of this, Andre DeRoshan. You said that he's a graduate student. Tell me more about him and like what expertise he had to essentially decide that he was going to take up the the mantle of vaccine distribution.
3: Yes, Andre DeRoshan, who's the CEO of this company, is a 22-year-old graduate student from Drexel University. He doesn't have medical expertise. When I talked to the health department about this, The woman who was then running the vaccine program told me that he surrounded himself with experts, that he'd brought in people. And she offered some of the medical oversight for the program he was suggesting he would run in Philadelphia.
0: But the thing that I don't understand is that, I mean, if he's a person who didn't necessarily have expertise in this field, also if he's 22 years old, like, how could he all of a sudden have enough power or cachet to basically say... You know, we have these very valuable vaccines. I will be the one who is in charge of distributing them.
3: One of the things that every group that sends out vaccines has to do is to meet CDCs, that's Centers for Disease Control and Prevention requirements. And this group apparently met those requirements. So, in that Part The the health department was sitting between the group and the CDC and sending on the application from Philly Fighting COVID to the CDC, and they met those requirements. So by that time, they had some medical expertise on board. He had surrounded himself with experts and was able to uh, meet the requirements set out by the CDC. So then how did it work when they started
0: to actually receive the vaccine and start to administer them?
3: One of the big hitches for some of the smaller pharmacies has been moving people through quickly. It actually doesn't take very long to give somebody a vaccination. It doesn't even take very long to brief them with the sorts of screening questions that they're given beforehand. What does take a long time is the 15-minute wait afterwards. And in a small pharmacy, people have to find a space to sit on their own. And that can limit the number of vaccinations given to four per hour, each person waiting alone to be monitored before they can leave and the next person can come in. One of the amazing uh, innovations at Philly Fighting covid was how streamlined the whole process was from the word go. People brought in their phones, went through security, and through an admission system that took a matter of minutes. And after that, I think it was a total of four or five minutes for them to get their vaccination. They were ushered through by people waiting to get them to a series of, when I was there, it was eight vaccination pods. There were two people in each of those pods who I think took two minutes to brief them, give the vaccination, and then move them on. And this was key, they moved on to a large waiting area where they could be monitored sitting several feet apart. They could be monitored by people who had an ambulance waiting in the unlikely event somebody had an adverse reaction. But it took very few experts watching over a large number of people and a large number of people could wait at the same time. After they were vaccinated, you picked up a sticker and then left by way of a a selfie place where you could take a a selfie. It was very much done in terms of um, setting the mood to encourage people to make this feel like a, a pleasant process to go through. So
0: for the people who came through there, how did they feel about their experience?
3: I went to one day of vaccinations, and I have to say that I met two uh, women right at the beginning who had come through, and one of them had been particularly nervous about getting the vaccine. Um, The process was over almost before she could think about it. She was very pleased. She said it was like going through a supermarket line. It went so quickly. She was just in there and out there the other side. So largely, the people I spoke to were super pleased at that time. But then
0: some problems were discovered. Philly Fighting COVID had started as a nonprofit last April, but in December, it launched a for profit company called Vax Populi, and they did that without keeping the health department fully informed. That raised concerns that the group might sell the data that they'd collected from more than 100,000 people. DeRosian denies that this was the plan. In an email to The Post last month, he said that, quote, Philly fighting COVID switched to for-profit LLC status in early December. But at the time, the website still described it as a not-for-profit. DeRoshin then apologized for the confusion, and he clarified that the organization was transitioning to being a for-profit company. He wrote, quote, the reality is that I, like many of us, am learning as I go. The learning curve is maybe a bit steeper for a young guy like me. But that was not the only thing that had gone wrong.
3: So one of the very concerning things was that it was discovered that uh, DeRoshin had injected um, four of his friends with leftover vaccine. Again, I addressed this with the health department who said, at the end of the day, they instruct people to, to deliver vaccine as quickly as they can. And Philly fighting folk COVID, of course, had registered nurses on hand to deliver vaccine. Um, but DeRoshan took four pre-filled syringes home and delivered them himself um, to four of his friends. I haven't spoken to him directly since that happened about it. Um, but he did go on air and talk about it and um, justified it, saying that um, it was leftover vaccine and he was getting it into arms. There are grandmothers, there are grandfathers, there are people all
1: across this country that are that can't get this vaccine. And they we can't did that. Get the vaccine. Stephanie,
2: we called the doses were about to expire. We called everybody we knew. Every single person. Are you qualified to give a vaccine? I am not a nurse. I have undergone our internal certifications.
3: But Andre, you're not qualified, right? No. But it was also coming under increasing scrutiny locally in outlets like the Inquirer and WHYY, the radio outlet, when it stopped testing, raising complaints in some of the community.
0: This is WHYY's morning edition. Good morning. It's 734. The city of Philadelphia has handed the responsibility for vaccinating thousands of people each weekend at the convention center to a startup called Philly Fighting COVID. The group does not have any
3: healthcare experience aside from offering COVID testing in underserved communities. Probably none of these things that went wrong would have individually stopped the relationship with the Department of Health, but altogether they were a breach of trust. And what were
0: some of the other concerns that came up about Philly fighting COVID in terms of how they were distributing the shots, who was getting them, and how the process was working out when the rubber kind of hit the road?
3: The links that were sent out, which were meant to go to healthcare providers who weren't getting their shots through hospitals, right? I mean, the very frontline providers in ERs and other places were getting their shots or have been getting their shots in hospitals. There's another whole group of 1A people who provide healthcare in people's homes or through more neighborhood organizations. The link that was sent out um, through Philly Fighting COVID, it was a health department link, actually got shared more broadly than these organizations that provide home healthcare. And so when I went through... There was a real estate developer, there were financiers, I met a judge, I met lots of people who had clearly taken that link and signed up for it. I'm not suggesting that they did so knowing that they were jumping ahead, but they were. So that became a problem and definitely one of equity because we've seen, um, and I think the health commissioner would be the first to say, that the people who are more... um, aggressive about getting to the front of the line with vaccines have tended to be white people. And Philadelphia so far has disproportionately uh, vaccinated white people. I think 18% of the people they've vaccinated so far have been black. The city is 44% black.
0: And what does DeRotion say about those inequities?
3: When I first raised them with him, he was trying to work to uh, make sure the link wasn't shared. And he was said he was committed to making sure that vaccines were equitably um, distributed.
0: And so, what happened after those concerns started coming up from Philadelphia's health department?
3: Well, they very abruptly ultimately um, stopped the relationship. I find this story so
0: interesting because I think you can look at it two completely different ways. That you can see what happened with Philly fighting COVID and some of the mistakes that were made, or at least mistakes that the health department there believes were made, that you could point to it and say, this is why startups shouldn't be in- involved because they're fraught with opportunity for those inequities or worried about with vaccine distribution or people taking advantage of the system or giving vaccines to friends or not doing things the, the thought thoughtful way that things are supposed to be done. But at the same time, I think you could also look at it and say, okay, there were mistakes that were made, but if these people were getting vaccines out a lot more quickly and a lot more efficiently than some of the other either governments or organizations that we've seen so far, then maybe there's still some parts of this that should be considered models.
3: I think the backdrop to this whole story is the very fractured and underfunded public health system in this country. So that goes back to, I mean, many public health departments and there are something like 3,000 of them in this country um, have not regained the funding they lost in 2008. They're super underfunded coming into the pandemic. And then this past year, there were billions of dollars put into vaccine development, but there was no money given to states, all of which had to come up with their own vaccination programs. Um, There was no money to prepare that. So I talked to a public health expert a couple of months ago and she was saying they couldn't hire consultants. They couldn't bring in people. They couldn't do all the preparation they needed to do to deliver vaccines effectively. Now, I actually think Philadelphia did some very interesting things by creating these partnerships. I think they will continue to work with partners to try to learn how to penetrate um, neighborhoods that have had high vaccine hesitancy. This sort of experimentation, as you said, is key. This one fell apart over some very basic questions of trust and transparency.
0: Francis Steed Sellers is a national reporter for The Post. Philadelphia's inspector general has launched an investigation, promising a public report on what went wrong with Philly fighting COVID.
2: Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, one more thing.
1: If we cry, it's like, don't cry, you know? If we get sad, it's just like, you'll get over it. It's never really sit down and talk about it. It's never really, this, let's get it off your chest. And again, a lot of that gets bottled up.
3: So tell me who you are, how old you are,
0: and where you live.
1: I am Manny Argitta, I'm 35. Uh, I live out in Falls Church, Virginia.
0: Producer Jordan Marie Smith talked to Manny about how the pandemic has changed his friendships. And before
2: the pandemic, how did you and your guy friends kind of like socialize?
1: I mean, my close guy friends, a lot of it was through meeting up at at bars or a couple of times, you know, hit a club a couple of times. Very large social events um, on the occasion, going to, you know, somebody's house and playing games, stuff like that. More more social engagements for like an event.
2: Men have more of a tendency to to interact with other men, standing shoulder to shoulder or sitting shoulder to shoulder, either playing video games or watching a or watching a football game or you know, sitting at a bar and, and watching TV. And women have more of a tendency to talk and to just sit down and, and just chat. I'm Samantha Schmidt and I write about gender and family issues for the Post.
1: A lot of us have been brought up to really talk about that openly. And if we do talk about it openly, it gets shut down. It gets looked down upon. It's not encouraged to say it out loud.
2: So what did you recently go through that made you assess your male friendships?
1: It was a rough couple months.
2: He recently had gone through a breakup with his longtime girlfriend that he lived with right at the beginning of the pandemic and... You know, he had moved out, he got his own place, was living alone, and suddenly was realizing how distant he had become from his friends and how alone he was.
1: It's been very virtual, not so much visual, you know?
2: I put out a question on Twitter asking... You know, men in the D.C. area, if they'd be willing to talk with me about their friendships and how they'd been connecting with their friends during the pandemic. And I wasn't sure what I was going to get back, but I was flooded with emails from men and many of them were really lonely.
1: That spring and summer was very rough. And I just really needed someone to, to, to talk to about anything or at least forget about what was going on, you know, and I didn't know. I didn't know who to turn to.
2: He started realizing that few of his friends actually knew what had led to his breakup. And he didn't really ever talk about it with a lot of his friends, at least not in detail. And so one night he was hanging out with a friend and he just kind of started pouring out his frustrations. He said to him,
1: hey, man, um, just letting let you know, I'm going through some rough things.
2: I bet you still have no idea why her and I broke up. I bet you have no idea And, you know, the friend paused and apologized and let him talk for a while about what had happened. And it suddenly made him realize, like, this is really helpful. I really want to start doing this more with my friends. I think a lot of men are realizing that this is a helpful time to start just checking in with other men.
1: I've reached out a lot more. Um, I've definitely put out the effort into trying to talk to them. Social media helps a lot. Gaming helps a lot because it's another outlet to connect with these guys, you know.
2: A lot of men I, w- I was talking to for the story told me that they're, they're reaching out to other men just to check in to see how they're doing. They're also finding ways to kind of turn their activities into more of opportunities to open up. Some dads are getting together for Zoom poker nights They're using those opportunities to slip in updates about their lives and just how they're doing and to talk about parenting and COVID and jobs and marriage and all of these things that are going on in their lives. And how are you dealing with your guy friends now in terms of maintaining relationships with them?
1: We can't do this on our own. We seriously cannot do this on our own. We need each other so much right now and... There is nothing weak. there is nothing bad about expressing how you feel, no matter how you know good or bad it is. You know, we really need to express ourselves because if we hold it in, we keep a bottle up, we're going to explode.
0: Samantha Schmidt writes about gender and family issues for the post. Jordan Murray Smith is a producer for Post Reports. That's it for Post Reports, thanks for listening. On Wednesday's show, we talked about the NASA rover Perseverance, and the difficulties of landing this rover on Mars. We are very excited to share that the rover has now successfully landed on Mars this afternoon. Touchdown confirmed,
2: Perseverance safely on the surface of Mars, ready to begin seeking the sands of past life.
0: To learn more about how it all went down, go to WashingtonPost.com. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. The
2: 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans, and yet,